And welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by John Luke Shapiro. Producer JL is with me doing double duty, both producing and uh, co-hosting, as it's just a two-man, two-person show this week uh, here on the pod. Dave, uh, Nick, Becky, all otherwise engaged, but we'll hopefully have them all back on uh, in future episodes. Uh, on today's show, we are recapping uh, the Rangers' strong return from the All-Star break. We're going to talk goaltending because that seems to be the top story of the of the week of the weeks last couple of weeks I should say, and we will get to your questions of course uh, and whatever else might pop into our heads. JL, how are you on this fine Thursday evening? Uh, getting set to release on a Friday, and the Rangers getting ready to play the Chicago Blackhawks to kick off their weekend. Well, thank you, Rob. Again, uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, if anyone if anyone doesn't know by now, my Twitter account got suspended mysteriously yes, so i'm very, trying to thanks I'm, elon yeah i know so i'm trying to figure that out per se uh but other than that everything is swimmingly just you know enjoying this nice little run of rangers hockey it seems like they've kind of figured it out but i'm, I'm doing all right absolutely so let's jump right into that uh the rangers come back from the break they were the very first game on the schedule after uh teams return to action uh, Monday night, Colorado Avalanche, and in a super fast-paced game, the, which the Rangers, I think it's fair to say, sort of struggled to adapt to early on, uh, they come away with a thrilling victory in overtime, 2-1. to one. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere gets the overtime winner. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, uh, they hosted the Tampa Bay Lightning and played one of their most complete buttoned-up games uh, of the year, won that one, 3-1. to one. Uh, on the strength of two goals by Jimmy Vesey, one of them an empty netter to give them that two-goal final margin. So a couple of close games, a couple of, dare I say, playoff-style games, and all of a sudden the Rangers are on a three-game winning streak uh, if you count that Ottawa game that occurred before the break. So, um, you know, look, before that, the Rangers were obviously scuffling, playing 500 hockey or slightly worse uh, over the course of 20, 25 games. So good to see them get back to, I think, the things that were making them successful earlier in the year um jl what was your main takeaway and, and which game i guess impressed you more was it the colorado win or the tampa win uh the game that impressed me the most was uh was the colorado game because they basically started off slow and you kind of saw some of the same sort of lethargic attitude but they but the thing that i saw that was different than instances previously were was the fact that they were sound defensively and Colorado is a very fast team as we saw that one Nathan McKinnon goal um which you know was seen as a mistake on the coaching staff but either way it's a mistake is a mistake but they were able to kind of limit the damage in terms of the impact that McKinnon or a Rantanen or a Lekkinen would have in or even a McCarr so the way that they were able to come back keep it tight and then win it you know, at the end was just awesome, you know, and Alexi Lafreniere just 
just do more of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just do more of that. I love, he has such a good shot. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't seem to understand that. Uh, I went to a game in his first season in 21 during the abbreviated season. Uh, and it was against Buffalo and not the overtime winner, but there was a game at Madison square garden and he shot a puck. I was sitting in the 400 section and he shot a puck so hard on net that it legitimately had me going wow so i was i was really i was really you know happy to see that he was able to pull that goal off and it was basically a year apart from uh the goal that he scored against calgary right after the all-star break last year so the yeah. colorado game was impressive to me because they were basically able to hold their own against a solid colorado squad the tampa bay game i was Thoroughly impressed because they took that momentum defensively and they were able to keep a cohesive unit together, you know, without issue and basically handle Tampa perfectly. So um, I, I was more impressed with the Colorado game, though, just because of their resolve in terms of how they came back and won the game. Yeah, I mean, Colorado is certainly the more dangerous team. Now, it's very possible that if this team is going to make a run to a Stanley Cup, they might have to go through both of these teams and it shows you you know, the diversity of opponent that you'll have to deal with, right? Some teams are more physically oriented. Some teams are tighter checking. Some teams will play a faster, more wide open game. You know, I do think it's a little bit um, of a mischaracterization that like playoff hockey is just kind of like a slow, boring, kind of like half court to use a basketball term game. You know, we've seen teams like Florida play pretty wide open and have success with transition heavy game. You know, you've seen it with Colorado as well. Uh, they're a speed a team predicated on speed. And then you do have Tampa who, you know, I think really um, made their, uh, made their Stanley cup runs off the back of really strong defense and, you know, puck possession, hockey, good goaltending with Vasilevsky. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it was really good to see the Rangers get tested against those two different styles and prevail. I think in games that they deserve to win. Now, look, Jonathan quick was fantastic in the Colorado game. Uh, in the first period, it was only a one-goal game because of him. He makes that stop late in the third to keep it a 1-1 game. He, he stopped Rantanen from right in front of the net with a minute left. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was certainly a big story. But I, I still think that, you know, as the game wore on, the Rangers, you know, were able to tilt the ice in, the, in their favor. And then they really dominated the third period, which you know, this is something I say all the time, JL. You know, and I'm sure you guys in the group chat, group chat probably get it. When the, when the Rangers are down going into a third period, I'm at a point where I almost don't care if they lose the game. I just want to see them dominate the period, right? You want to see them control play, get a lot of chances. And you know what? If you hit a couple of posts, if the goalie makes three, four, five incredible saves and you lose the game because of that, I could live with that. What bothers me is when a team can't get that extra push when they're down a goal, right? Because that's right. hockey. Like the team that's down usually does push really hard. And, and if a team doesn't push then I get concerned because then it starts to look like, is there a lack of effort? Is there a lack of belief, right? What's the reason why a team who's expected to push isn't pushing? So I was happy with the third period push. They were they dominated that third against Colorado. And then to your point with the Tampa game, you know, to me, that was as solid, as sound is the word I kept using, uh, as structured a performance this team has had since October, November, when that was kind of the way they won every game. Now, obviously, they were scoring a little bit more, especially on the power play, which has gone completely cold all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which is, you know, maybe not something we'll get to today, but something to watch over the next week, week or two. Um, but, but, you know, Tampa had 19 shots on goal. They had, you know, if you look at Steve Valiquette's, uh numbers, he posts his uh, clear side analytics recap uh, the day after every game. I think Tampa had a total of uh, five high danger scoring chances and two medium danger scoring chances, right? So those are the ones that mm-hmm. pay attention to. Um, right. seven, so seven combined sort of like quality chances in the game. That's about as good as a, of a defensive game as you could play. Um, right. I was really impressed with the fourth line. Obviously, VZ gets a couple of goals. You know, Barkley Goodrow had one of his better games, uh, picked up a couple of assists, but was generally pretty solid. Tyler Pitlick got an assist. Johnny Brodzinski scores, right? So pretty much all the production mm-hmm. coming from the bottom six. Um, and that's just, you know, that's, again, something to watch given the, what this team is likely targeting at the trade deadline. Um, right. Any other thoughts from you on the Tampa game, um, which, which again, got the Rangers to a, a third win in a row? Um, so you mentioned Jonathan Quick. So that was definitely, you know, a factor. Uh, I guess on the negative side, um, I guess you now have to kind of somewhat begin to think what's up with Mika Zibanejad. Obviously Mm -hmm. he, he was a bit more noticeable in this game. Uh, I've noticed lately over the last couple of contests, he's gotten a little bit more aggressive with the puck and he's definitely making a lot more plays. He's definitely picking up assists like he did with the Alexi Lafreniere overtime winner. Um, But there's still something missing and hoping that maybe, you know, in this, at this juncture, uh, he can pick it up a bit because he's starting to get into that mode again where you can see he's 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 skating more with the puck. He's holding it onto it a little more. He he seems a bit more confident. I guess the break really did help him out. So maybe this can be an adjustment period to where he can actually begin to find his game again. That's probably the only thing that I can honestly say has really been concerning to me. Obviously, we you know, like you said, we're not going to really talk about it now, but, you know, when it comes to the trade deadline and, and the power play, um, you know, we can obviously – you know, sit here and, and guess how many, you know, times or the stuff that they need for the team itself to maybe have these things work out. But my only real concern is basically make his advantage at, but other than that, I thought everything was crystal clear, solid. Yeah. I mean, and I think he's looked slightly better to me. I agree with you since coming back from the break, I think that there was, you know, something to, him needing a little bit of a mental reset, maybe even a physical reset. You know, I don't like to speculate, but was there an injury there? Is there, you know, potential, uh, you know, new dad issues with a young baby at home, uh, not getting proper rest and things like that. You know, again, this is all speculation. We don't know anything about that. He hasn't appeared on the injury report at all this year. I think other Mm -hmm. than um, missing for an illness, I want to say maybe one game or being questionable with an illness. So um, I think he had the flu. Yeah. Right. uh, I think it was one of the West Coast games, or maybe it was an away game. I just remember he, he yeah. had the flu and he and, was out. And and I think it's fair to say there's probably that bug was probably going through the whole team because there was kind of a a constant recall, you know, uh, you know, from heart, constant recalls from Hartford and and those sorts of things happening. So, yeah. you know, look, I think th- still to your point, JL, like they need more from him, and if they don't have top notch Mika Zibanejad. It's going to be tough sledding in the playoffs. Now, look, 10 years ago, we might have had a similar conversation about, say, Rick Nash, right? And we would have said, well, Rick Nash has to be great for this team to do anything. And in 2014, he wasn't that great, and they made the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, you can get by. The Rangers have enough talent. 
Um, and, and who knows how they'll bolster the roster at the trade deadline. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this to a few people last week. I got bored. I'm a sicko. I went on YouTube and I watched. I pulled up highlights from the playoff run a couple of years ago uh, and, and particularly game three of the Carolina series. So mm-hmm. remember, they're down 2-0. They lost both games in Carolina, close games, tight checking games. They got shut out in game two. So they come back to the garden and pretty much a must, a must win situation. And look, it, it, it's a 10 minute highlight package, you know, whatever the NHL or Sportsnet put, puts on YouTube. But I am, I will tell people to go watch that game, watch those highlights and just look at how impactful Mika Zibanejad is throughout the game. Now, again, he's involved in some of the goals, um, but, but he's just, I mean, he's skating like his hair's on fire and mm-hmm. he was, he was just all over the ice. And I think, you know, I think we all remember, it's not that long ago, how incredible he was throughout that entire playoff. Again, he, he started slow in the Pittsburgh series, but once he kicked into gear, there was really no stopping him. Right. Um, and, and I think it, the reason I bring that up is look, the guy is a great player. You know, I'm seeing a little too much like Mika isn't a one C chatter on Twitter. And I'm like, this is, we're not talking about Derek Stepan here, right? We're not talking about a guy who like never eclipsed 56 points in his career. I mean, Zabanajad was on pace for 90 plus points and 50 plus goals uh, in the 20, in the COVID, when the, the year that COVID shut everything down, you know, he's, he's at least a point per game player, even when he's struggling, he's pretty much a point per game player. Right. And he, he is, absolutely probably fair to say it's he's the team's best two-way center i know people like to point to trocheck but he's really not that defensively uh his he, he doesn't grade out that well defensively um and his line i think is 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 a little bit guilty of playing risky with the puck whereas you know look zibanejad is trusted to check the other team's top guys as he was against uh colorado when they switched the fourth line off of McKinnon and put Mika's line on him. So long way of saying, yes, the Rangers need him to be better. He absolutely needs to be better, but let's not act like the potential is not there. Right. I mean, that's, right. uh, do you agree? I mean, or, or are you, do you have longer term concerns that maybe his best hockey's behind him? No, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that there's still a ton of talent there. I mean, you could see, you could see it. It's just, it's, I feel like this is all mental. It's not a physical thing. Um, he, I, he's very streaky and I feel like we got to see a guy who was finally able to really unlock it over the last couple of years. And a lot of people tend to forget that when he came here for the first time, he was just like this, this wasn't, this wasn't something that is, you know, out of the ordinary, he's very streaky Mm -hmm. player, but he worked on his game, obviously. You know, no pun intended to the tweet. Work on your game, but kid. <laughs> work on your game, kid. Um, he 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 did work on his game though, and and he was able to really come through. Part of me somewhat thinks that he's still having trouble adjusting to the system because we didn't see this sort of malaise this long when Quinn and Gallant were here. So something tells me maybe he's still trying to figure it out so to speak. But I, I still think that he has uh, definitely that he's, there's nothing wrong with the guy. He just needs to figure it out. The guy's talented enough to still put up a bunch of assists. And like you said, he's a point per game player. Uh, it, it'll become concerning to the point where it just, if this ends up lingering on for maybe another month, or maybe if this really lingers into the playoffs, you know, the same concerns we had about Artemi Panarin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 
last year when we all thought he was kind of, you know, as the kids say, cooked, you know, and everyone mm-hmm. was trying to explore trading him. And then he just kind he of was off. Out. He was off, to be fair. He, oh, he, he was. Year, all last year, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he still managed to put up, what, 80, 90 points last year? 90 point, 92 <laughs> points, I think. 92 <laughs> points on an off year? Come on. You know, so yep. I, I, I don't. I don't doubt Mika. I know he has the ability to do it. I know a lot. Twitter is, you know, reactionary. No kidding. But I still think that there's talent there. But I think if this ends up lingering on into the summer or at least into the playoff hunt, then the offseason discussion begins to really wrap around. Now we have to support him and find mm-hmm. somebody that can basically kind of take or give Mika a tertiary role in terms of being that guy you know and you know the first person that comes to mind that would be perfect is is elias Patterson. will they be able to afford it that's the question that remains to be seen because he is still technically available so i'm not concerned for the time being i still have a lot of faith in mika i know he has to he has the talent and the strength to do so but if this ends up lingering on for an extended period of time then I think there is some cause for concern if this goes into the playoffs. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I, I and the other thing that I think is all related, and and it comes back to also, like you said, you have to take a hard look at the center position over in the off season because you don't know what Filipino is going to be able to give you. You know, I know he's going to try and come back next year, but all of a sudden you're looking potentially maybe not good enough at center, which is as we know the most important position. All right, we've beat around this issue, or I guess I shouldn't say we beat around it. We didn't lead with it when it's pretty much the only thing anyone's been talking about regarding Mm -hmm. the Rangers. So let's dive into it a little bit. The goaltending. So Jonathan Quick has been lights out. He started and won the last three games. Obviously a 7-2 win, a 2-1 win, a 3-1 win. His save percentage is over 920. His goals against in that time is is around 1.5. He's, I think, top 10 in the league in goals saved above expected. Um, This is... He has been the better goalie. Let's just not sugarcoat it or say it any other way. That said, you know, the Rangers have been playing it coy with the media, and they've been saying this was a planned reset period for Shesterkin. Um, it was it was the plan the whole time. I don't know if we believe it, that uh, Quick was going to get the first two games out of the All-Star break. And we record this podcast on a Thursday ahead of Friday's game in Chicago, not knowing who the starting goaltender is. I'm going to guess it's going to be Quick. So... Uh, I don't know if you agree with me on that, JL, but what are your overall thoughts on this goaltending situation, if we're not going to call it a controversy, situationship that we have right now with Quick and Shesterkin? <laughs> I like the term situationship. That's, yeah, well, that's such a, that's such a new right age term. But I worked <laughs> it's such it in, a, yeah. It's such a, new, a modern term. It's like kind of hilarious, actually. Um, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of a tough question at this point because – you looked at Igor in the all-star game and he looked, you know, he looked good, but then again, it's also an all-star game. Um, it is slightly concerning. Um, there is issues with his glove. And I think knowing mm-hmm. the type of person Igor is, he's very hard on himself, but I think he hopefully seems like he's kind of relaxing a little bit. Cause you know, these guys are very hard on themselves. Like, and, 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 and to just kind of touch on Mika real quick, Mika does the same thing. He's very hard mm-hmm. on himself. So Igor's the same way. Um, I wouldn't call it a controversy. Um, Igor's still the guy. Um, but 
it, it's it's tough. It's really hard for me to kind of put it all together because it's 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 not an issue, but then it's also not something you can't really dismiss if that makes any sense. Totally, you know, um, that's actually perfectly well said, JL. Seriously, right? Because you know you're not gonna you know I- Igor has a Vezina trophy. He's shown that he can bounce back, so you have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But also, just as a fan from watching. You do express some concern, but at the same time, you also have to think with how well Jonathan Quick is playing, you have to kind of make sure that um, he, you know, that you ride that wave if it means you're going to win, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't fully believe that it was the plan to ride Quick for the first two games. I think that was just said to save face, not to make Igor feel bad. Because, come on, I mean, Colorado and Tampa Bay, you really don't think that, oh, hey, let's play Igor in one of those games. But I get it. I'm fine with it because of the way that things have gone. And Jonathan Quick has been nothing but phenomenal, like you've mentioned. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's as big as it should be, but then it's also slightly concerning at the same time. But then I'm sure once once crunch time comes, Igor will be fine. It's just, it just honestly, to me, it just really seems like he needs to work on his glove. And Well, uh, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's data to support that. I know, you know, I think I believe Arthur Staple wrote about it. Steve Valiquette tweeted about it. Arthur uses Valley's data uh, from ClearSight Analytics um, in a lot of his articles. Yeah, he's giving up a ton of gl- goals high glove. Like, that's just, I mean, and, you know, the, the one that was the shining example was the Keegan Colazar goal in the Vegas game, oh, where yeah. it's just a long wrist shot i know you know people are calling it a breakaway but it really wasn't a breakaway there was a defenseman kind of even with him it was from the wing um not not a goal that igor shesterkin or really most quality nhl goaltenders should let in Um, and that's been happening a lot and and the other thing is as valley tweeted or said i don't know if it was on a broadcast or if it was on on twitter but like the shooters know the data. Like these are, this is the types of scouting reports that NHL teams get now. Like what, you know, where are the, mm-hmm. where are these goalies weak spots? Um, how do we target them, et cetera, et cetera. So look, I think I totally agree with you in the sense that this is something where it, it's worth talking about, you know, whereas, you know, if, if we had done this two weeks ago, even we would have said, nah, it's not really an issue. It's, it's not worth discussing. Whereas it is now here's the way I'm looking at it. I think, you know, you do the reset, fine. I think it's a good idea. I, I honestly think he should start against Chicago because I cannot think of an easier landing spot on the schedule, right? I, it's a it's a, it's a, a bad team. Um, the Rangers are playing well defensively, right? So they seem to have sort of straightened out their principles. Now, that could go away at any time. I mean, stuff is fleeting. But, um, you know, the expectation would be that they are not going to give up, you know, 15 or 20 high quality chances to the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. So you see how Igor does in that game. And then you see mm-hmm. if he can get on a roll. My right. thing is this almost has to be an evaluation period ahead of the playoffs. Right. And with the idea, right. That Igor is going to start game one of round one, and he's probably going to start game two of round two. But I think for the first time in my memory, uh, and my memory goes back a while now, cause I'm getting older. I think there's a legitimate <laughs> chance that we do not see the same, the same starting goalie in every playoff game. I mean, if you think about it, I go back to Mike Richter. Mike Richter pretty much started every game. Glenn Healy played in 94 uh, because uh, Mike Keenan was nuts and pulled Richter a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, uh, but in general, uh, you know, not in general, I'm pretty sure Richter started every playoff game. 
the rest mm-hmm. of the runs in the 90s that they had, Richter started every playoff game. Once we got to the Hank era, obviously he started every single game, was rarely pulled. And Igor has started every single playoff game uh, in his time here. So uh, and unquestionably was the case across the board. I think we are in a world now where unless Igor is lights out, and I mean lights out, like not Vezina level, because that was you know a generational season, but unless he is truly himself statistically, mentally, stylistically, all those things, I think there's a good chance Jonathan Quick's going to get games in the playoffs. Um, and I don't know how to feel about that because, you know, and JL, I know you're a football fan, a, a fellow tortured Jet fan, and we have been oh. through the whole, if you have two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks thing. I mean, I kind oh. of feel like if you go into the playoffs with the two goalie system, you have no goalie, right? Like I kind of have that same mindset about the goaltender position in the playoffs specifically as I do with the quarterback position in football. So maybe I'm being a little dramatic there, but how do you, how do you see that playing out? And, and do you think that that's the case that, you know, quick maybe does get some starts in the playoffs? No, I don't, unless it's really drastic. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think this is honestly just more of a, this is more of a, just a, a test period now. So we're probably going to see Jonathan quick get more in the regular season. I don't think they're going to, unless Igor just completely craps the bed and, you know, we see, you know, like, like this, like how, you know, I think, I think, I don't know if Igor got pulled in one of the penguins games in the playoffs a couple years ago. I think he might have, um, but that was it really. Um, Igor's going to be the guy. They would be crazy not to, either trust Benoit Allaire and not start Igor. You have, you have to start your best goaltender. You know, if it gets to a point where uh, he ends up crapping the bed, then you basically have a, you know, a one a, but no, I think they're going to go full bore with Igor. They're probably going to do the whole load management thing, you know, that we all seem to kind of decry about uh, in terms of sports. So uh, no, it's going to be Igor. I, I have no doubt. If they if if it gets to the point where that has to be the case, then you know what it's gonna happen. But I, I, I think Igor's gonna be the guy going forward straight through, no problem. Okay. Well, I, I think it, it's fascinating. And you know, I'm trying to read the tea leaves here, and but you know, by the time you know some folks listen to this, it, it's probably gonna be water under the bridge completely. But Peter Lavillette did not name the starter after practice today. Um both goalies apparently left the ice at roughly the same time. That was the, you know, tweet from the beat writers, uh, the report from the beat writers at practice. Um, so the Rangers are not letting on who's starting. I think when you're putting up that type of smoke screen, it means you are uh, starting Jonathan quick. I think if it was going to be Igor the whole time, then they would have taken Igor off the ice first and they would have announced that he was the starter today. So I think it's going to be quick. And I think that uh, the reason that the Rangers are doing that is to just avoid the 24 to 36 hours of, you know, of, of media, you know, firestorm, Twitter questions, et cetera, uh, about quick getting his fourth straight start. So we'll see. Um, I do hope that this works, uh, by all, uh, you know, by all accounts, Igor is in a much better headspace after the break. He seems confident. Mm -hmm. He's met with the media a bunch of times. I think he feels good about, you know, his ability to take this reset and make it work. So, We'll see. Right. I mean, I, you know, look, I, it's easy to say, and this is my last point on this and then we'll get to the questions. Everybody's kind of, you know, falling back to the classic talking point. Like the Rangers don't have a chance unless Igor Shesterkin is, his, is himself. And right. I, I don't know that I agree with that. 
I mean, how many teams have we seen make Stanley Cup runs with like no name goaltenders? And the Rangers don't oh, have no name goaltenders. They they have okay. they have a current star and a future Hall of Famer as a backup. So like if Jonathan Quick had to carry them, I think he could. Like I I think it's ridiculous to just say like, well, this whole season lives and dies with Igor Shesterkin. Like, no, why? I don't think it does. Right. And and you could take a look at, you know, look at the Vegas Golden Knights, for example, when they won the Stanley Cup. Who was their goaltender? Aiden Hill. Aiden now, Hill, Aiden Hill was not the starter when the season started. Right. And, you know, no knock to Aiden Hill. I mean, he's a, you know, he's an NHLer, so he has us beat. But, you know, it, nobody's nobody's going out and saying, hey, I'm going to go pick Aiden Hill to be my number one goaltender. No, it was done right. out of necessity. And they ended up capitalizing on that because that team, you know, a lot of people tend to forget, even though it's only been just about a year, was built with ridiculous talent. So they were, that's how they and were depth, able to pull it and off depth, yeah. and depth. Right. Because, I mean, I, whatever the stat is, I think each of their four lines all scored at least 10 or 12 goals in the playoffs. Like they had this incredibly ba- balanced scoring and right. that's, you know, that's a lot of people have kind of identified that as the silver. And it's like, this is the thing though. There is no silver bullet. There's, there's different ways to do it. Some right. teams win the cup on the back of their goalie. Some teams win the cup on the backs of their stars some teams win the cup with great depth and balance. Some teams win the cup with just great team. Defense. Like there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I think people are falling prey to this. The Rangers really need Vezina Igor or else they're screwed. Like I, I don't think so. They need good goaltending right. and they have two guys that could potentially give it to them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so let's see how it goes. I, I'm, I'm not writing Igor's obituary here. I promise you that. Um, but I also don't think the season is cooked. If Jonathan quick has to play more and potentially start playoff games. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I feel, you know, we were so used to seeing that, you know, with Igor and uh, Lundqvist. And even going as far back as you could even say, you know, Georgiev throughout the regular season, who used to play pretty well for us. And then also, um, you know, Mike Richter and even John Van Beesbrook. So, you know, mm-hmm. as Ranger fans, we've been blessed to see that. Um, outside of like the dark ages, of course, but even, you know, we had mad Mike Richter, you know, when he wasn't injured. So this was kind of maybe the first time that there's kind of some doubt, but it's, it's not that bad. You know, Igor will be fine. Yeah. All right. So on that, let's get to the questions. And and this first one comes from, uh, (laughs) at Bill to spill John Cougar Halloween camp. So it's, it's goaltender related. Uh, and, uh, uh, it's a perfect segue. Right. Uh, he writes, he asks, was there ever a time in Ranger history where there wasn't a goaltending controversy, but you thought there should have been? It's wow, actually a really actually, interesting question. That is. Um, oh, that's a good question. That's really hard to pinpoint because um, outside of maybe you can say Dan Blackburn, Mike Richter, but the only reason why that wasn't right. really big was because Dan Blackburn ended up getting hurt, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, he was going to be the guy and then he all of a sudden shows up with, you know, two blockers on. So, um, huh. yeah, if you don't, if you're too young to uh, remember or have seen or known about Dan Blackburn, Google that because you're probably hearing that two blocker thing from JL uh, and wondering what the hell he's talking about. But um, <laughs> no, yeah, thing. I mean, to, the, the short story is massive injuries. He really couldn't raise his arms to mm-hmm. catch a puck. So it was a nerve. Right. It was yeah, a nerve, it was a nerve, nerve damage issue. So uh, 
he tried to make a comeback wearing two blockers and needless to say, it didn't go great. Um, and it's a shame because he was really talented. I mean, you'll never, you, you never know. I mean, remember right after that, the Rangers drafted Al Montoya and he never turned out to be anything, uh, high draft pick, you know, they thought they were getting the next guy and, you know, they, they actually were, uh, one of the teams who learned early that, you know, it's more of a quantity thing, right? You, you get a bunch of goalies in the late rounds of the draft and you see who develops well. And of course, you know, Henrik Lundqvist was a seventh round pick, right? So, um, yeah, you know, that's a little, a little bit of a tangent there on Dan Blackburn. I mean, look, the last time things got hairy with the goaltending situation was when they had the three headed monster. They had Georgiev, Lundqvist and Igor who had just come over from the KHL. That was in, you know, early 2020, Mm-hmm. Um, in the 1920 season. Uh, and that wasn't a controversy. Um, but I think tr- trying to do the three goalie thing made, made it ne- unnecessarily difficult. Um, yeah. I remember thinking like, why can't they find a trade for Georgiev? Like he's pretty good. Wasn't having a great year that year to be fair. Um, but he's clearly talented, clearly was better with more work. And they either couldn't or didn't find a trade for him. And so you ended up with this thing where they had three goalies and one of them wasn't dressing. And, you know, Lundqvist was clearly on his way out. And, you know, Igor kind of took the net, which was the right move. But then they were splitting the backup starts between Lundqvist and Georgiev. That was a weird, a weird time. I I mean, yeah, that was that was strange because you had you basically had three starting NHLers and and, and you didn't want to be the team, at least in the regular season, to kind of drop Lundquist on his feet, you know, on his butt rather. So uh, it was no, kind they of were never going to do that. Yeah. No. And obviously they bought him out that later that off season, but you know, um, it, it was, it was just strange. I, I honestly think at that, at that juncture, they should have, you know, found, found a way to, I know it was a lot harder than it said, cause they really did try, but I really wish that somebody had taken a suitor for Georgiev and just kind of kept Lundqvist on a shorter contract. Obviously, we didn't know about his health issues, so it kind of ended up panning out in the end, you know, due to his heart problem. Right. Of but um, if that didn't happen, I would have been more than happy to have kept Henrik as a basically a backup until he retired. I always thought that that was that would have been the fairest thing to do. It, it would have been so painful to have seen him put on that Capitals uniform, and mm-hmm. you know, again. You know, it sucks that he had that, you know, heart injury. I would have loved to have seen him play. Would it have been sad? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just good that he's living comfortably now. And, and you know, it just, it's just these things kind of tend to work out on their own. But that was definitely a strange time. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, also, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to do this, bring them into the conversation when, uh, you know, uh, because they deserve to catch as many strays as possible. How silly do the Toronto Maple Leafs feel now? Right. So <laughs> Alexander Georgiev was out there available. They were trying everything. If you think back yeah. to those days, I mean, they, they have not obviously had a stable goaltending situation since literally like Felix Potvan in the nineties. Um, <laughs> That's true. And yeah. <laughs> Georgiev was there to be had the Rangers. I'm sure had him out there and, and were taking calls on him. Um, and, and, and I'm sure they had a a fair value in mind, right. Knowing that he was a future starter in the league. Um, and of course, Colorado grabs him and goes and wins the Stanley cup, right. With a team that's constructed very similarly to Toronto's. So, Mm -hmm. and, and, and often what holds Toronto back is their goaltending. So nice job, Kyle Dubas. Like, I I don't know what to tell you, but, um, (laughs) like 
you can't you money ball the goaltending situation. Like if there's a guy, you got to go get him. It's it's a yeah. Anyway, um, like I said, they deserve every stray they catch. The Toronto Maple. Oh, of so course, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, hundred percent. But uh, look, I mean, what I find interesting about this question is, and I think it's something just that I've always appreciated as a Ranger fan, even though, um, uh, as I alluded to in my tweet before the show today, uh, before we started recording today, like. I hate talking about goalies because, like, it's the one thing that, like, we always come back to with the Rangers because they they mm-hmm. usually have this elite goaltending. Usually, they are over reliant on said goaltending, and it kind of makes everything else moot because it's like, oh well, you know, they're being propped up. Like th- this discussion with them, especially over the last like six, seven seasons, has been like they're being propped up by this amazing goaltending, um, and you just get I get tired of talking about it. That said. Um, it makes you appreciate how good the Rangers have been in this position throughout most of their history. I mean, they have, mm-hmm. and look, I'm a little bit of a history buff. I don't know the, 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 I certainly wasn't around for anything before really the early nineties, of course. Um, but you go back to, uh, Gump Worsley is, is a, is a name. Mm-hmm. You go back to the Eddie Jacquemin, right? Number retired and his backup Gilles Villamure, which mm-hmm. they actually shared a Vezina trophy one season. Uh, they had, they were co-winners of the Vezina and they, they pretty much split the net in that season. Um, right. Obviously the, the eighties were a little bit of a weird time for goaltending and the Rangers were a good team then, but they were not really as stable. You know, JD had that one hot season, got them to the finals in 79, a hot playoff run as a young goalie, but he wasn't really Mm -hmm. a a long-term solution. But then once you get to the nineties and most of our lifetimes, you have Mike Richter, Henrik Lundqvist, Igor Shesterkin, essentially, a passing of the torch from one generational goalie mm-hmm. to the next. So right. that's amazing. And, you know, to, again, to, to uh, Mr. Colleen camps question, there haven't been a lot of goaltender controversies because the Rangers have been so solid, more than solid. So great at that position for so many years. I mean, if anything identifies this franchise, it's, it's that they are, they are historically the home of great goalies. And mm-hmm. that's a blessing for us as fans. And I think we just wish that they would build a little bit better team in front of those goalies so they could actually win some championships for them. It's, 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 it's always, it always seems to be like the recurring theme when it's, uh, oh, hey, look, we got a great goaltender, but the team in front of them, it's, eh. right. <laughs> so it's somewhere between case. like, right, average or bad to like, eh, just not good enough. Yeah, and the one time that they actually did build a good team in front of their star goaltender, newsflash, they won the Stanley Cup. So you kind of think they would want to replicate that, but yeah. Well, and I always say like 2014 and 15, they certainly had the had good enough teams in front of Lundqvist, but you know, just didn't get it done. Okay, next question. Uh, I don't. Do we know this guy? He goes by uh, at Blue Seat Blogs on Twitter. Oh boy, don't I don't. We don't. He, He seems like a cranky old man, but. Yeah, and speaking of, he starts this question with "Hi, first time, long time." WFAN <laughs> what is this WFAN? Come on. Yeah this this question, and so we are going to read. So so uh, just for everybody's uh, knowledge, we were going to have Nick on the show tonight, but then he got he got uh, pulled into some work obligations, but he desperately wanted to answer this question. So uh, I'm going to read his response at some point. But anyway, mm-hmm. this is this is a very obnoxious question from Dave. Let's just call it for what it is. What package do you offer for Pavel Buchnevich at 50% salary retained? Meaning his, his he's on the books for 2.9 million this year and next. No cop, cop outs. You must make this trade. I want to watch the world burn. I'll hang up and listen. 
All right. So I'm bad at this uh, trade proposal stuff, but uh, anyway, JL, you, you start and then I'll read Nick's response and then um, we will, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give mine and then we'll move on. So obviously Butch Navich has term. So that goes without saying it's definitely going to cost a prospect. Um, definitely not Othman. Definitely not Sakura. Um, I'm assuming that if they were to give up a prospect in this trade in terms of retaining and keeping Butch here for another year with salary retained, uh, it's going to be Brett Berard. Um, Berard, it has to be a first, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Berard a first. Um, maybe Zach Jones, maybe Matthew Robertson. Um, and then maybe another prospect or two, and then maybe like a second because I, okay. I know it's kind of sounds like a lot, but it, I, I'm, I'm thinking similar to the Tarasenko trade and, you know, Hunter Skinner and, um, you know, a couple of picks and the first round pick. So I'm assuming because uh, Butch Nevich has term and, and I maybe maybe we they get lucky enough if they were to really do that and they actually offload Barclay Goodrow to kind of offset that contract. So um, that that's what I think. So it's going to be Butch Nevich with uh, salary retained for two years for Zach Jones, Brett Berard, first round pick, and maybe another prospect and a second round probably. So okay. so you're, you're sending four assets that way. Okay. Four assets for Booch because, and the only reason why I'm sending two primarily is just because he's, his, uh, he's being retained. So that's why the contract goes into next year. Right. Right. Of course. And so, for the yeah, record, I'm also, I'm also terrible at these kind of things too. So. I apologize in advance. Oh, no. Yeah, this is not my forte. So I'll read Nick's response now. So he says, Kako and Jones and a conditional two that turns into a one if we make the Stanley Cup final this year. Booch being back here, especially up top with 20 and 93. Kreider and Zibanejad will give that line the kick in the ass it sorely needs. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, my my I'll be honest. My brain went directly to Kako as well. Um, and the reason I say that is because this is basically just a repeat of the original trade where, uh, except the blues are kind of in the position of the Rangers, right? Where they're not going to want to pay Buchnevich again because, you know, his next contract will, will be uh, definitely a raise. I mean, he's a point per game player, you know, Mm -hmm. look, look, let's, let's, let's give him credit where credit is due. Um, He's a super impactful point per point per game player. Uh, that the look, the Rangers lost that trade, and and he is you know a player that would fit like a glove on this team currently, right? So 100%. that's that is all fair. Um, he's going to earn a raise on his five point eight million a year cap hit next year. So uh, in his next contract, two seasons from now, assuming he keeps up the point per game production, so. Seven and a half million a year, eight million a year, right? How long is that deal? Five, six seasons. There's going to be trade protection in that deal. So that is a massive contract that the Blues probably don't want to give Pavel Buchnevich, right? So the motivation would be get a young player with upside that could potentially replace him for cheap. And that's Capo Caco, right? Mm -hmm. He's in a very similar spot to to what Buchnevich was three seasons ago. Um, Now, look, Buchnevich was always a more productive player. I think it's very important to point that out. Kako's got great metrics. He uh, obviously shows his value defensively and in terms of puck possession, but 
he has not ever produced like Pavel Buchnevich. And uh, look, Buch had more power play than time than Kako for sure. Um, but he's just a more natural finisher and playmaker than Kako is. So um, I think it's fair though to, 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 I think Nick's offer is close. You know, I, I would say probably they're, they're not doing that deal with it. If it's a conditional pick, I think they're probably doing that deal to your point, JL. Um, it would be something like Kako Jones, a first and like a third or like another pick or another like B level prospect. So mm-hmm. um, that's kind of where I land with it as well. But my mind went right to Kako and um, I think it's hard to argue with the last part of Nick's point there that, you know, he would give 20 and 93, the kick in the ass they would need. And he would kind of complete that line. I do want to say one thing about this whole thing, uh, if you'll indulge me. So I think that the Rangers trading Buchnevich was not just about clearing salary and, um, you know, kind of that whole, he's an RFA and, you know, we're not going to pay him on his next deal. Right. I think Chris Drury made that move maybe, uh, and I think maybe he's learned from this. I would hope he's learned from it. I think he made that deal essentially in the heat of the moment when he was, you know, having James Dolan breathe down his neck about needing to change the culture of the team. Right. Because remember that deal is made in the aftermath of Tom Wilson, quote unquote, breaking the Rangers, Mm -hmm. then shrinking like violets in huge spots down the stretch of that season. Um, Them coming off as a little bit too much of a nice team. uh, Them being a little bit too much of a vibes team, all those things, right. You know, Mm -hmm. Booch and Kreider and, you know, Booch is a clown, right? He's, uh, Quinn called him Captain Happy, and you know he he was like the class clown. And, and it, I think there was a little bit of a, of a of a of an effort from Drury there to sort of, frankly, change the culture of the team. And now, and and basically say, look, we're going to go out and get Sammy Blay, who, yes, we believe in his offensive upside, which you know to this point doesn't really seem like it's showing. Obviously, he had that hot streak last season after he was traded back to St. Louis. But I I checked his stats a few weeks ago. I think he had like two goals. Um, so he's not a very good, not a very good offensive player, but he was, he's physical. He's a, you know, he's a grinder, a bottom six or whatever you want to call him. Um, I think there was an effort to change the culture by making that deal, right? Not just dump the salary that they don't eventually want to pay. So it was a bad move. I think we, uh, all acknowledge that. And, um, I don't think he's coming back. I'll say that. So thank you, Dave, though, for the question. And I hope you enjoyed watching the world burn (laughs) oh david oh david um all right next question comes from uh at chris saletti interesting last name chris uh i love this question Mm. you can put one ranger from the 2014 cup finalist team on this current team but they have to replace someone on the same line slash D pair as in, you can't replace Tyler Pitlick with Rick Nash. Fine. So if you're, and I know like, you know, the, uh, Zook Brassard pooly outline was like technically the third line, but like, really that was probably the second line, whatever. That's a bit semantics, but who are you choosing? All right. So JL, if you want to take a stab at this one first, I'm taking, I'm switching out Rick Nash for Artemi Panarin. Wait, if that, you're, if taking, that... you're taking Panarin off the team, off this Ranger team? Oh, no, it says you can put one Ranger from the... Oh, oh on this current yeah, team? Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I yes, thought it was yes, the other yes, way yes. around because I can't, I can't read. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> right. um, I'm going to swap... Wow, that's a good question. Um, 
this might be controversial to say, but I'm swapping out Eric Gustafson for John Moore. And I'll tell you why. Wow. I like Gustafson. I like Gus. I do. But John Moore has a little bit more, had a little bit more of a grit to his game, kind of sort of for a third pair D. And mm-hmm. him and uh is it Kevin him and Kevin Klein were phenomenal as a bottom pair mm-hmm. of D. So, and one of the things that this team could really use is somebody with a little sn- more snarl outside of Truba and Lindgren on the back end. So and and John Moore can skate. He was a decent skater at best. He wasn't he wasn't a pylon back there. No, he's a good um, skater, good skater. So you put him with a guy like Schneider, and they'll just start, you know, th- you know what? Basically, I'm what I'm getting at is I think John Moore is John Moore and Gustafson are essentially similar players, but John Moore has a little bit more grit to his game. I love Gus. I do. This is not not, mm-hmm. not a knock on Gus at all. But um I, I think I would do that because now you have a guy who has some mileage like Gus, but has a little bit more toughness to his game. I'll say also, I'll say this too about John Moore. I was very, very, very sad. Even though we got Keith Yandel in that deal, I was very sad that they traded him for, uh, and Duclair in that Yandel trade. But, you know, obviously it had to be done, of course, even though Elaine Vigneault <laughs> wouldn't know how to hold a roster or use his players properly, you know, Eric Stahl, Keith Yandel, and all that. Um, so, yeah, I'd swap John Moore with Eric Gustafson. Interesting. Okay. Um, I am going to go with Brad Richards for Johnny Brodzinski. So this team needs better play from their center. They just need more center quality and depth, right? We know that. Brad Richards was bought out after the 2014 season, right? He wasn't there in 2015. Um, And... You know, I think it's fair to say that his tenure in New York was a slight disappointment. I, you know, I, I, disappointment might be a harsh word, but he was excellent in in the 2014 playoffs. He slowed down a little bit by the Montreal series. He wasn't much of a factor in the King series, but I mean, he's the exact type of player that that I think this current Ranger team needs. You know, an experienced, mm-hmm. gritty center who can bring some scoring. Um. I mean, think about him on a line with Cooley and Kako. I mean, that oh, is gosh. that would be oh, that oh. would be awesome. That would just be a grinding in your oh, face. I love that third line That's with so with good. scoring pop now at this point, right? And, and Richards is going to quarterback the second power play unit, which you know, again, something to watch. You know, I'm not saying it's broken for good, but the top power play unit is struggling, but the second power play unit is not really equipped to step in and take over, right? Because they don't have that type of presence on the unit. They don't mm-hmm. have somebody who can truly quarterback it. You know, for some reason, you know, it's one of those, one of the very few weird decisions Peter Laviolette has made lately uh, is putting Truba on the second power play instead of Eric Gustafson. I have no idea. Like, I, I, I trust Gustafson to quarterback a power play more than Truba, mm-hmm. regardless. Um, Brad Richards, I honestly think he fits this team like a glove. And he would be the perfect 3C. So, um, and I, I think, look, if there was a Brad Richards analog available at this trade deadline, I don't really know who it is, but that would be the guy to go and get. Um, I, I think it's exactly what they're missing. Yeah, that's actually, you know, I'm thinking about it in context. It, it is kind of, it is interesting to see that he was essentially the third center. That yeah, year. he played with, so, so let's remind people what the lines were on that team. You had, 
Stepan, Nash, Nash and Brassard. No, 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 because no, no. Brassard was the center no, with Step- uh, Nash and Zuccarello. Right? No, because the, the, no, no, the, the, it was Brassard, Pouliot, and Zuccarello. Was that oh, one? Oh, Brassard, Pouliot, Zuccarello. Then I'm thinking Kreider, Stepan, right. Nash. Kreider, Stepan, and Nash. And it was yeah. Richards, Hagelin, and Marty St. Louis was the third that's one. That's right. Okay. I had to correct myself. I should know that right. because that's easily one of my favorite teams. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then the fourth line was obviously uh, Boyle, Moore, and either Dorset or Carcillo. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pl- and, and again, we're, the the second and third line often gets you know mixed up in terms of which which is which. Again, they they were calling the Broussard line the third line that year. Maybe it was, but I, let's just say middle six, right? So the middle six of that team was Broussard, Pouliot, Zuccarello, mm-hmm. uh, Hagelin, Richards, and St. Louis. I, I I think you plug Richards into the Rangers' current middle six, and oh, you're, just in, you're in fantastic shape. Yeah, perfect. I think so, I think right, that great, I think that's that's actually a lot question. better than mine because I I thought that Richards, you know, it's the same thinking that you had was Richards is basically the 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 two C, and that that Broussard line was the uh, was the the third line, but but being yeah. that they they used them a little bit more, uh, and St. Louis was kind of you know with Haglin and Richards you know a little bit less, I, I see what you mean by that. So that definitely does make sense. Yeah, it's it's semantics, but yeah, no, it's really interesting question. And like I said, I I'd be scouring the market right now for whoever, you know, seems to project and look the most like like Brad Richards as a, as a center. So if that mm-hmm. guy is out there, he's the guy to target. Um, all right, last question comes from Kevin at Spozo two eleven. Why don't they play the damn Super Bowl on Saturday? <laughs> Do you have strong feelings about this, JL? I I really don't. It doesn't really matter. Football is a Sunday thing. So you're going to capitalize on the day that you make all your money. Would it be interesting to see it? Yeah, but, you know, it's not a big deal. Yeah, so obviously, look, I, I think people would watch it no matter what night it's on. You know, I don't buy the television viewership uh, angle. That said, um, I think we are very quickly trending towards uh, the Super Bowl being played one week later. Uh, you know, once they collectively bargain in that 18th game, whatever it takes to do, they're going to do that because right now it's a 17 game regular season and it's an imbalance in terms of home and away games. It just doesn't really make sense. Uh, they're going to try and get an 18th game into the schedule. The owners are, I'm sure of it, right? More, more revenue, longer season. You know, that's what they want. Players mm-hmm. will hate it, but they'll probably cave. Uh, and then the Super Bowl will be pushed back a week. And if it's pushed back a week, you will, that will fall on the president's day weekend. So you'll have the Super Bowl, like for instance, this year will be on, I think, the 17th um, uh, or 18th, whatever day it is. And then the following Monday is a is a federal holiday and everybody will be off because that was always the argument. I mean, I remember when when I was a kid, the Super Bowl was played in January and people were like, man, they should just do this on Martin Luther King weekend. Like, just change the schedule so that everybody gets the day off for Martin Luther King Day. And it's like, right, that's basically what they're aiming for here. Um but look, to your point, JL, I mean, they they own Sunday um, and it's called Super Bowl Sunday. Like, I'm sure that's trademark, just like the term Super Bowl is. And mm-hmm. um, they're not going to change that. So just wait a few years until the next CBA gets negotiated. And I'm sure you'll have your day off after the Super Bowl so you can indulge however you like to indulge. Of course. And it's interesting point. You talk about the the, the adding of the extra game. It's like. It's unfortunate, but we all know that that's what's going to end up happening. And, and 
you just kind of, I, you know, the football season's already long enough as is. Do we need more football? And I love football, but I don't think we need that much. Well, yeah. I mean, look, this isn't a football show, but, but with lengthening the season with the amount of injuries that there already are, I mean, you can set your watch by it with the NFL, like by week four, like at least 10 star players are going down with season ending injuries. Like it's just how it mm-hmm. is that torn Achilles torn ACLs, like, you know, broken bones, separated shoulders, concussions, right? Whatever it is. Like it's just, it's a brutal sport and 16 games is probably the max that the human body can handle. And they're going to go to beyond that. So look, money talks that's that's the way of the world that's certainly the way of professional sports and um you know it's kind of unfortunate in that regard and you know look maybe the players won't cave because the nfl does have a strong union and they certainly have plenty of good arguments against adding more wear and tear to the the bodies of the athletes but mm-hmm. um interesting question as we are to the super bowl jl do you have a pick are you are, are you rooting for anybody in this game and and do you have a pick uh not necessarily i mean I don't really care. You don't hate the Chiefs like everybody else now? Yeah, I don't. I mean, you know, obviously, the only reason why I don't really hate the Chiefs is because, you know, it was different with the Patriots because that was in a direct correlation to my suffering because they had Mm -hmm. to get through us uh, every single year. Um, But, no, it's just, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I kind of want San Francisco to win, have somebody different. Um, I know a couple of 49ers fans. I'd want them to be happy. I don't dislike Patrick Mahomes, not yet, even though the refs did kind of screw the Jets in that one game that I was at. But, you know, Pat Mahomes' dad, former Met, if he wins, so be it. The Jets had another season where they didn't win the Super Bowl. I can live another day if I've already lived the last 31 years of my life without having to see one. So until next year... So, it, you know, I, I watch it because it's there. It's something. It's the biggest event of the year for football. You know, I watch it. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it. Um, yeah, I'm I've come to a point in life where I really can't get aboard like hate trains. It's very hard for me to do it. And, and I'm actually sort of the opposite where I start to really respect and appreciate greatness. And like, look, I, I think Mahomes is a little annoying, to be honest. It, I watched a little bit of the Netflix quarterback series and I, he came, he comes across incredibly obnoxious in that, in my opinion. Oh yeah, of course. Um, he just, just not a likable guy at all to be, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, but he's great and nobody is as good as him. And like, I have no problem with the best team winning. Like, you know, I actually find it weird when like the world series is the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks because they clearly were not the two best teams mm-hmm. and like I, I actually would rather the two best teams play because I think that's the most a entertaining and b fairest way to decide a champion so well, look, that's also you want from every sport too you know right and look these are the two best teams from their respective conferences like I know the Chiefs weren't the one seed but like come on it's the Chiefs they had a couple of weird you know games early in the year where they had to figure out their their shit but you know uh, and they did almost lose to the Jets but they they didn't um, and, and yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm a little scared. I don't want to put money on the chief. I do think the chiefs will win. I'm scared to put money on them though, because like so much public, like I think 80% of the bets are on the chiefs, which mm-hmm. is just like ripe for like fade the public basically. Like <laughs> they should actually yeah. just bet the Niners. Uh, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But, um, 
if I had to give you a pick, I think the Chiefs will win the game, and I think it'll be like a six to ten point game. Actually, I think if they win, it'll be like twenty seven twenty one or twenty thirty to twenty one or something like that. That's usually so. what ends up. It's it's usually somebody always gets at least three scores, so that usually yes. that's that's what ends up happening. Yeah, which is like a month's worth of points if you're a Jet fan. So yeah, yeah, yeah no right. kidding. Yeah, we'll see if that changes next year. All right, JL, been a pleasure. Um, Rangers are back on track. That's awesome to see. They, you know, they've, they played three really solid games in a row now. Very intrigued to see who starts in goal in Chicago on Friday night. Uh, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, make sure you catch us on Spotify and Apple. If you're doing audio only, we're on YouTube as well. Uh, and you know, hopefully you're going to have some different types of video content on the channel as well. So thank you, JL for getting that all set up and going. Um, of course. Oh, also, and, uh, real quick, um, if anyone's yeah, listening ahead. to this and follows my old account, I'm working to get that back. Uh, follow me uh, at JL Shapiro and Jay, please. I'm trying to get as many followers back as possible, and I would love to engage with everybody again if my old account is having some issues. So, yes, I, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you plugged yourself there because I was gonna. I, I I forgot to give you an opportunity to do so. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, gang. Always a pleasure, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.